You're listening to Colorado Outdoors, the podcast for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. From rare trout to lynx kittens, Joe Lewandowski reflects on 16 years of writing about Colorado Parks and Wildlife in this Colorado Outdoors podcast episode. Lewandowski retired from the agency at the end of April 2021. He and statewide public information officer Bridget Koshell have a discussion to reflect on Lewandowski's career, the adventures he went on, what it's like to be a public information officer for CPW, his recommendations to people in Colorado, like not wearing sandals when you're out hiking, and a whole lot more. If you like outdoor adventures and storytelling, you'll enjoy listening to Joe reflect on 16 years with CPW. You're listening to Colorado Outdoors, the podcast for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I'm your host, Mark Johnson. The podcast is powered by Great Outdoors Colorado. GOCO invests a portion of Colorado lottery proceeds to help preserve and enhance the state's parks, trails, wildlife, rivers, and open spaces. Its independent board awards competitive grants to local governments and land trusts and makes investments through Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Created when voters approved a constitutional amendment back in 1992, GOCO has committed more than $1.2 billion in lottery proceeds to more than 5,200 projects in all 64 counties without any tax dollar support. everyone. Thank you so much for being here today. I want to paint the scene a little bit for all of our listeners. So I am a statewide public information officer for CPW, and I've been with the agency for one year, and I've had the pleasure of working with my colleague, Joe, and he has served as a mentor for me. And he's honestly, he's about to retire. So before he goes off down the trail, I figured I really have all these questions I want to ask him, both professionally and personally. So I asked him if he would be a part of this podcast. So he's not going to just share his wisdom with me. He's going to share it with all of our viewers as well in our outdoor community. So Joe, thank you so much for being here. This is such an honor. Yeah, well, great. Thank you, Bridget. This is going to be really fun. And yeah. I probably will be retired by the time this hits the airwaves. So. Well, that's right. So I want to just kind of dive into some questions. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've worked for CPW? Sure. Um, well, I'm a, a Colorado transplant, but I've been here since the late 70s. I came out here in the old Rocky Mountain high days when John Denver was telling everybody what a great place uh, Colorado was. And uh, right after college, I graduated from Michigan State University and basically came right out. Uh, actually rode my bicycle from Michigan to Colorado. That's how I moved here. And ski bum for a few years. And uh, and I have a degree in journalism, so I decided I'd better put that to use. Um, so that was my uh, kind of my background and, and did a lot of that for, gosh, uh, uh, over 20 years. And then I joined uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife in um, uh, 
April 1st of 2005, and uh, it wasn't uh, an April Fool's joke. It was uh, <laughs> great. So on a bicycle, how did you carry all of your stuff? Well, you know, my brother was living out and I, I just had my panniers packed. So uh, um, it was, uh, you know, it was a camping trip. It was a long camping trip, and but a great way to see the country uh, back in the 1977. That's incredible. So what are some things that you've learned at CPW over your career? Yeah, um, it's a really interesting agency. I, my secondary study at, um, in college was in natural resources. So I always had an interest and uh, you know I consider myself a bit of an environmentalist and I've always hunted and fished and camped and did all that stuff as a kid. So coming out to Colorado was you know, a really uh, a great step in that direction. And with CPW, um, you know, I, I knew that, you know, there are people out there doing uh, uh, management of wildlife, but um, I never really understood the extent and the detail and the smart people and the important, you know, research that went on, that goes on every day. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, uh, you know, just learning about uh, you know, everything from deer and elk and native fish and, you know, pikas and birds. It's, it's just been incredible. Every day I seem to have learned something else about, about animals, about resources, you know, wetlands and rangelands and a high alpine and, and what makes a, a good stream work and, and why mine runoff is really a problem in many you know, in many places in Colorado. So it's just been an amazing education um, and more than I could ever really describe. I can connect with that even with just working for the agency for one year. Every day is different. I'm constantly learning new things. And I'm so amazed with the talented people that we work with. It's, yeah, it's, it's so know, it's, fantastic. It's great that, um, you know, that everyone is really willing to share their knowledge too. And again, not being a scientist by training, and uh, but to you know be able to ask the questions, and you know, and I consider myself a storyteller, and to be able to you know take that information and put it in terms that's a little more user friendly to the average layperson. I mean, it's just been uh, you know I'm really at the end of my career in in writing and communications. Uh, but boy, what a thrill to, to be able to uh, tell these stories. And, um, and, you know, I, and I found that, you know, people really get a lot out of them. And they're like, mm -hmm. wow, I didn't know that. And <laughs> yeah. there's almost no more uh, better compliment for a writer than to tell, take someone where they've never been and tell some something they don't know. So, yeah. And to touch on that, you have taught me sharing is caring. And that's a huge reason why I wanted to do this podcast is I shouldn't just be able to learn from all of your stories. Everyone should be able to learn from you. So I want to jump into a personal question. Okay. Uh, what is some advice that you have for young adults exploring the great outdoors and exploring Colorado? What tips and advice do you have for us when we're outside? Wow. Okay. Um, you know, the, big, the biggest thing I would, I would recommend is walk you know walk and and look around and and you know put your nose up to a columbine uh, because they have an amazing aroma 
um, and enjoy the quiet. Uh, you know, I found seems we're kind of in this age where, you know, people are going fast on their mountain bike or they have to, you know, run 10 miles in a day and, um, you know, just a lot of extreme sort of ideas on what to do in the outdoors. And really, I, you know, it's, there's so much to enjoy out there just by observing and listening and going slow and sitting down on a rock and, and uh, you know, sitting through a rainstorm uh, and, um, uh, and just kind of taking it in. You know, the other thing I would say is obviously we have a lot of people, my, me included, who move uh, to Colorado from all over the country. And, um, and again, my advice is that, hey, you're in Colorado. Behave and act. And, yeah, and that's right. Colorado. Don't try to bring, you know, Michigan or California uh, to the Colorado forests and trails. You know, uh, it's, it's Colorado and, and it's about the best place you can be, in my, in my opinion. I agree with that 100%. I feel so grateful to live in Colorado. And I love that advice of sitting and li just living in the moment, getting away from your phone, taking in nature through all of your senses. So hearing the organic sounds, uh, seeing it, the smells, the sights, just taking it all in. I think that's incredible advice. So thank you for that. You know, I, I backpacked uh, up into the wilderness area oh, four or five years ago here. And, um, and there was a group of, you know, people, I don't know, 30 somethings, I guess, and they had llamas and and they brought up tunes and, you know, uh, lawn dart games. And, and uh, it was kind of a place where um, <clears throat> camping was restricted. So it was really hard to get away from them. I didn't say anything because I, I was vastly outnumbered. But it yeah. was really <laughs> disappointing to be, you know, 15 miles into the wilderness and, and having to listen to hip hop, you know. So to play off of that, I think it's just a friendly reminder to everyone exploring Colorado's great outdoors to remember the leave no trace best practices and enjoy your time in nature, live in the moment and be mindful of everyone around you because we don't want to ruin their time in nature by playing loud music or leaving trash behind. So that's incredible advice that we all really should follow. Yeah. So, yeah. To touch on that, well, I'm and, You know, I'd say, I mean, you know, I moved here from elsewhere. It's a beautiful place. It's so, you know, we're gonna, trails are gonna be busier, no way around that. Uh, but, you know, just be respectful of others out there and pick up your dog poop and carry it with you. That's right. Whatever is packed in, pack it out, no matter what it is. So to build off of that, I'm curious, out of all the time that you've spent in Colorado, what are some of the landscapes that inspire you and have taken your breath away? Wow, that's, uh, you know, there's so many. I mean, I lived in Fort Collins for a while and, and going out to like the Pawnee National Grasslands, uh, pretty stark, wide open area, uh, but, but, you know, fabulous and, and pretty cool. Um, I have a, a, a um, pensant, uh, I'm more, most fond of, of mountainous terrains. Uh, in the canyons, um, you know, I remember uh, backpacking up in the Zirkle Wilderness up uh, by, this is by North Park, and uh, just hiking along, and, and I looked up, and all of a sudden, I'm in the middle of a herd of elk, you know, there's 40, oh. 50, 
and I didn't even hear them or see them. And they just kind of looked at me and, and you know, chewed up uh, what, they're, what they're doing. And, uh, you know, I fly fish and, um, you know, I don't really, I'm not a very good fly fisherman, but, you know, I just <laughs> love being in the stream. And, uh, uh, you know, when I get a, a trout rising to a fly, dry fly, that's a, it's a pretty neat experience. Um, but, in, you know, in my job, I've down here in the Southwest region based in Durango, um, you know, I can, I get to travel to, I've gotten to travel to places like Gunnison and the San Luis Valley and, and the Montrose area and what they call the West End, which is the Uncompahgre Plateau and, and then all the mountains around the San Juans and Durango. So uh, it's, uh, you know, I spent a little time here, but when, after I got the job, I was able to do more exploration um, with, and, and go out on projects, you know, bighorn sheep or fish projects. And so uh, it, it's just hard to say what, what my favorite is. Um, you know, the, there's nothing that beats the high country and, you know, in, in late summer, early fall. Um, uh, but uh, it's all just, it, it's a pretty amazing place. Yeah, I've gotten to go on some really cool trips, uh, mountain lion release, um, redenning of bear cubs. And I love this job. It's, it's such a cool job. So I'm curious, what is your favorite part of being a PIO? Yeah, you know, it's probably getting back to that storytelling. Um, to be able to sit down, I've always enjoyed because I wasn't a very good student and I wasn't a biologist or a scientist, but I always felt pretty comfortable talking to just about anybody. And to be able to talk to someone about, you know, why are we putting GPS collars on these bighorn sheep? Or, you know, why do we care about these, you know, bluehead suckers and flannel mouth suckers? And then to be able to tell that story in a way that makes people go, wow, there's a lot more to this weird stream that only runs half the year than I knew. Yeah. Um, so that, that's really my favorite part is, is trans, transmitting or, or uh, transcribing that scientific information from uh, our staff to, to the general public. And, and I think I've done okay with that. Always more I wish I could have done, but um, that's really, uh, that, that really gives me a thrill. Well, I've appreciated you being my mentor and editing all of my work and helping me shift messages around. And I'm really gonna miss that when you retire. So maybe I can still send you some of my clips <laughs> to have you look at them. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, and, and that, all that comes with just, you know, being a newspaper guy and I, you know, I have a way of thinking that's, you know, get the news up front and keep the message direct. Uh, so, um, but thank you for that. Uh, and uh, I always, I'm, I'm, I'm always hesitant to start editing. E.B. White said, he who edits least edits best. So I've, I've always tried to keep that in mind, but it, sometimes it's, it's hard. Yeah, I don't take edits personally, just because I've been in the communication field for so long. I, I love when other people give my work a fresh perspective. So I welcome the edits. What is your least favorite part about being a PIO? Oh, um, wow. You know, one of the things that I, I didn't realize is, is kind of how political <clears throat> wildlife is. Um, 
you know, you've got your primitive hunters and you've got your rifle hunters and landowners and agriculture and, and uh, you know, people who, you know, think we shouldn't ever, you know, hunt a lion and then people who say we should, you know, we should hunt a moor. And, mm-hmm. and so it's uh, a, a lot of trying to, um, you know, maintain our agency status as, hey, we present the information, we manage the critters as the, as the people in the state of Colorado have instructed. Um, and, and, but digging through some of that political stuff is, is kind of hard and kind of tricky. Um, and sometimes I've written things and, and people say, oh, we can't say that because of this interest group or that interest group. So um, I, I think, um, you know, coming to the understand, I'd lived in Colorado for, you know, 40 years, and I didn't even know that, you know, how political all this stuff is. Um, so just, you know, trying to dance, uh, dance among the embers, so to speak, is... Yeah. Um, has been uh, a challenging at times. Usually get through it, but but uh, again, I'm still kind of amazed at at how much polarization there is in in so many uh, so many topics that relate to wildlife. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. So, is there a solution there of just audiences understanding there's different ways to think about something and maybe not take it so personally and just understand that people connect with nature in all kinds of different ways and not to think of it as so black and white. Well, I wish there was an answer. I mean, (laughs) it seems, you know, and from a greater picture, obviously we know that everything's polarized. Um, I guess I would just ask that people listen and try to consider more than just their own perspective. and that might help. Uh, I think we reach that in, in some ways, uh, but it takes a lot of time. Uh, the wolf issue is gonna be really interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and, uh, um, but, uh, you know, I'm just, I hate to say it, but I, I think, you know, this kind of conflict and polarization is gonna go on and, and uh, uh, we're gonna do what we can. I know the, you know, the agency leaders with, um, working groups and and listening tours. I think that's about the best we can do, and and uh, I, I'm sure we'll continue to do that. So, as you know, as a communication specialist and PIO, everything's evolving in our field. We're we're learning to use new tools, new social media tools, different platforms, even the, this podcast. Uh, learning how to communicate using a variety of channels which means we have to change our messages so that they work with those channels. So I'm curious over your career, how did you evolve with the field and make sure that you were trying new platforms, learning new things? What advice do you have for me on that? Yeah, um, I mean, it, what was what's great about my position in, in the regional office is uh, uh, and, and at the time we only, I think we only had, uh, well, we had just one person in the Denver office or maybe two, but, um, you know, it was just kind of watching how things evolved and, um, you know, Facebook, I actually set up the first Facebook page uh, because oh, wow. there was a lot of resistance to it um, <laughs> for the agency. And not that I'm any kind of, you know, I, I'm not real big social media maven, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, looking at that and, and Twitter and, 
And, you know, I, I, I learned to do a little video um, stuff. That's pretty complicated. Uh, so it's just kind of being open to what's out there and watching the trends and the, um, uh, you know, in society. And I, I really think it's been, um, uh, I can communicate a lot more small things through Twitter and Facebook um, and a lot of things that really wouldn't rise to being a full video or a full press release or a Colorado Outdoors story um, uh, that, that have really worked well. Social media has really helped you know, promote those things and, and keeping our face out there and letting people know we're, you know, we're alive and, and we're, we're keeping up with trends as best we can. That's so important. So I love that. You're pivoting to a positive. You were looking at for the opportunities versus just shutting down the idea. So yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like the director Dan Prenzlow says, is let's manage to yes. And and that's I think, right. you know, that, that's really important on our part because we're the ones who really put out the words and explain the agency. So uh, uh, and you know, gosh, uh, times are changing. I I will say that uh, when I write a some kind of hutting article, um, I know a lot of people who you know read newspapers still read those. They don't get quite as much um, attention on Twitter or Facebook, but you know things evolve. Yeah, no, I love that. So you've talked about being a storyteller and the importance of it, and we've talked about using different channels. So I'm curious, what do, when you're communicating something, what do you hope that your audience is going to get from your messages, and how to impact your audience? Yeah. Well, um, uh, you know, I, I write all kinds of stuff. You know, I'll do a Twitter post and little Facebook post and basic news release about a meeting or something like that. Uh, the ones that are most fun to write are the, you know, talking about what what's going on at the agency. You know, either, you know, parks, uh, they do a lot of cool stuff, uh, um, uh, the, the wildlife researchers. And... I really like to try to take people because I like being taken to places where I've never been when I'm reading something. So take them to where they've never been and tell, tell them some things they don't know uh, and, and really uh, look for those really aha moments that are, wow, this is really you know cool. Like I didn't know this about ptarmigans, for example, or you know, elk. Um, and to, uh, the, the more you can kind of be descriptive uh, in a way to, again, take people to an unknown place, I think that's what really tells our story and, and that's what keeps people reading. We all want people to read our whole stories, not just the first sentence. So that's right. <laughs> got, got to be compelling a little bit. You know, using people too. Um, I'm, I've really always, with, with many of my stories, if you read them in Colorado, or start with some kind of anecdote about a researcher seeing something or a, a DWM, you know, talking about a specific uh, issue or park manager, you know, talking about experiences they've had with, uh, with people in the parks and, and put that, put, you know, people want to read about other people first. That's and true. so, yeah. you know, and, and we can kind of blend both here, so. Mm -hmm. I love that. So learning through experience, and you've been so good to me as well, of really 
just anytime I had a question, I could always come to you and ask, and you were always just helping me learn. And so I really appreciate that. And hopefully I didn't stir you too wrong. So <laughs> no, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you a lot. So I'm curious, what will you miss most about working at CPW? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, just so many great people I've worked with, so many smart people um, and uh, who are willing to share, willing to talk about what they do and, and people who are really dedicated and really, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, graduated from college with a degree in biology and they knew from you know, time they were 10 years old that they wanted to be a biologist for an agency. Uh, and, and those, just talking to those people, it's just so refreshing uh, that, that these people really, you know, folks really care about, about what, they're, what they're doing, about the agency, about critters. So talking to, to people and, and being around um, folks who, you know, who look beyond themselves and are um, uh, you know wanting to make sure you know in a hundred years from now there's still Colorado River cutthroats you know in the stream and that uh, you know bighorn sheep are are still around um, and um, and and again telling those stories has been a huge part of my life that's all I've really done for the last 15 16 <laughs> years so I'll you know I'll, I'll miss the people and then being able to pass that information information along. So I'd love to hear one of your stories. I'm curious, what are some of the projects that you've worked on at CPW that you're the most proud of? You know, early on, which is great, this is, gosh, probably about six months after I started, um, Ken Logan, who's our lion, one of the lion researchers up in Montrose, um, started a study up on the Uncompagre Plateau. And I was able to go out with him and learn about, you know, I had no idea how you studied mountain lions. Wow. So, I, you know, we got to go out with them and we actually went into um, a den and grabbed some kittens and put temporary collars on them and gathered data. Um, uh, you know, another, another great story is um, I didn't realize that you know, Colorado Parks and Wildlife has four airplanes in each of the regions that fly around and, and monitor uh, you know, GPS and telemetry collars. And so I did, I, I was able to go and, you know, fly around a little bit with a couple of pilots. And, and I did a story about, you know, kind of the CPW Air Force, so to speak, and, and how airplanes are used in, in wildlife management. Um, you know, one of the funnier stories is I went out with, uh, uh, they're um, up in the Gunnison Basin, uh, we have Gunnison sage grouse. And, they're not doing great, but the Gunnison Basin is where there's a, a we have the biggest population of the birds. And so they would go out at, these biologists were going out at night, trapping these birds, and then we we're moving them to other areas that was suitable habitat. Well, here we are at midnight um, and uh, as dark as could be, we're riding along in a pickup truck with the lights turned, basically just the parking lights on the truck. And they're shining a they're shining a light and and what they did is try to pick up the eye shine off these birds oh, okay and when they picked up the eye shine they stopped the truck we got these nets that were 
the poles that were probably 10 feet long with you know big butterfly nets uh, on. And it was like, okay, let's start, start going. And we start walking and all of a sudden the guy next to me, I see he's got a bo little boom box strapped on his chest and he's playing like the Rolling Stones. And I'm like, what the heck is yeah. this all about? And, and, and he said, I'll tell you later, I'll tell you later. And so then we're running after, you know, we sneak up on these sage grouse and, and then it's like, okay, let's go, let's go. And we run and I fall down. Oh man. And, you know, so they managed to catch a couple of some sage grouse, but, but basically what they said later was that they play different music because it has a tendency to freeze the, the, the grouse are going, what the heck is that too? <laughs> Stops and them in their tracks. And, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and then they got into a big discussion about, well, you know, is it ACD? I think ACDC is pretty good or ZZ Top really does the trick. And so it was just kind of a funny, uh, uh, here we are at one o'clock in the morning out in the middle of nowhere. We're talking about what kind of music stops the sage grouse. So that's hilarious. So that's when music is okay in wilderness. Right. <laughs> that's how it can be used, yeah. not on the other trails, because then you're going to yeah. startle the wildlife. <laughs> but there are so many stories like that, uh, you know, going out on pika surveys and ptarmigan surveys and, and uh, uh, elk projects and and just to see the real nitty gritty work. You know, humans have had a big impact on, on the environment. And, um, you know, thank God that, that uh, we're evolved society enough that we are able to have people dedicated to take care of our, you know, furry and feathered and, and scaled friends out there because, um, you know, it doesn't happen all over the world. We're, we're a really shining light uh, in, in, the, in Colorado and, and in, the, in North America, so. Yeah, so our agency manages and oversees 960 species. So we are really lucky to live in a state where there's so much diversity in our wildlife. I am curious to build off of your career at CPW, and I'm, I'm curious how it filtered into your personal life. Did you find that by working for this agency, it made you want to get outside more and learn more about parks and wildlife? Well, um, let me just back up one step. You know, I was a newspaper reporter, and when I go to a party as a newspaper reporter, God, you know, I get, you know, you guys are so liberal, and you guys are so conservative, and everybody want to argue about something. And, <laughs> And I remember the first party I went to in Durango and was you know, talking to people and they asked me what I did. And then it was the Division of Wildlife and people were just so nice. Wow, did, what do you know about the deer in town? And so there was this, this huge, it was like, wow, this is gonna be fun because everyone's not complaining to me about their grandmother's obituary from 20 years ago. <laughs> you know? uh, and, uh, and as far as uh, it, it, you know, as far as being more interested, it really did. Uh, you know, once you learn about one thing, about um, you know how deer behave in in the in the high country, what happens to them in the wintertime. So it just everything builds on each other. So I mean, I've always had a great curiosity, but um, uh, there was just so much to to learn about. It was you know overwhelming at times, and just to be able to um, uh, learn more and more 
it, it certainly did, you know, make me want to go out on more on more projects and and write about more projects. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to dive into some more of the personal questions because I feel like you have so many good stories. So I'm curious what your most prized possession is. Ooh. Well, it's got to be my 1973 Guild D50. Uh, it's a guitar. Nice. And, uh, it's the same model that Richie Havens played at Woodstock. That's incredible. Uh, and we've talked about I've music had that, before. I've had, that, I've had that guitar since 1974. So, geez, do the math. There's that 40 years, almost 40 years. So, <laughs> I can just I picture you on a bike coming to Colorado with a guitar on your back and not needing anything else and just figuring it out. So that's incredible. <laughs> I did play a little bar guitar in Vail in the, back in the day. That was, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> and then what is your idea of what makes a fantastic outdoor adventure in your opinion? Well, um, what makes a fantastic outdoor adventure? You know, really getting out to places where you know, you don't see anybody else. I really like that aspect. Um, and to be able to uh, uh, and stomp around in areas that other people might not tread. When I go fishing, I really like to hike in two or three or four miles if I can, because usually, you know, I get away from most other people who are fishing. Um, so it, it's really, you know, getting some sense of solitude. You know, I, I really, you know, like going out with friends. But, you know, I've had so many, I mean, I've been down the Grand Canyon in a raft and done, you know, lots of backpacking here and fishing and hunting and, um, and uh, you know, really, it's just being able to get outside and, and, and experience it and, and, and drink it in. As I get older, I mean, it, it's just getting to be more and more precious. I'm 67 now, you know, I've got a lot more behind me than in front of me. Uh, so it's, you know, I, I still look up at, you know, some scenes, uh, you know, some the great mountain peaks that we have and, and they still kind of stop me in my tracks. And I'm really thankful uh, that I haven't, you know, kind of become blase about, about the beauty of, of nature here. I love that advice. That's inspiring me now to think about what I want to do this weekend. I need to bust out a Colorado map, look up some trails, do my know before you go, and just get out there and do something by myself. I never really thought of it like that. So that's wonderful. What's one thing when you go out on your outdoor adventures that you have to have with you? Mm, water. Nice water. And I have to add a good pair of shoes, you know, or boots. I've, it's amazing, you know, I was hiking up outside of Durango here a few years ago, and it was a pretty long hike. It was about a six mile hike, and it was a hot day, and I ran into this girl, and she was with her dog, and, you know, she had like a little 10 ounce bottle of water, and the dog just refused to move because it was so hot and thirsty. Fortunately, I always carry extra water with me, and so I was able to help that help that woman I said you got to bring water for your dog and you know and stay hydrated I, I get dehydrated pretty easy so you know water is really uh, um, you know I people look at how much water I carry and they go are you nuts but uh, I'd rather have more water than, than not enough so to our listeners that is a good tip bring more water than you think you're going to need 
and be mindful when you're on a trail and help others out. Be kind to people along the trail. And if they need something and you have it and you can offer it, that's a nice thing to do. That's Colorado for you. And remember your dog's got a drink too. And, and yeah. I also recommend leaving the, uh, the flip-flops you know, in the car. Uh, I'm amazed at how many people hike in sandals and flip-flops, but. Not me, yeah. I love my comfortable <laughs> shoes, sturdy, comfortable shoes. So after you retire, what are your goals? What are you looking forward to doing? Yeah, um, well, you know, with the, uh, you know, with wildlife, I'm, I'm definitely gonna be doing some volunteer work and, uh, and I'll probably spread my wings a little bit and do some freelance writing in the, in the natural resources uh, field. Um, you know, I've been playing guitar for, gosh, 50 years. <laughs> yeah, well, more than 50 years. And I never learned how to read music. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to learn how to read music. Um, and, uh, you know, the usual things, a lot of travel and, and, but I'm, you know, I, one thing, you know, working for the agency, you have to kind of play it straight. You really can't take a side either way. So, you know, I'm going to get to be a little bit more of an advocate for some things. Um, and uh, not exactly sure what those are, but but, uh, you know, I'll be on the right side of things, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but, um, and, and, you know, the big thing with retirement is, gosh, being able to fish and hike and ski, uh, do all those things during the week. Right. And, um, and let everybody else have at it on the weekend. So uh, I hate to rub it in, but <laughs> that's what's going to happen with me. Well, I love that. That sounds like one that just sounds like a wonderful way to start a new adventure and a new chapter of your life. So I want to thank you so much for sharing everything about your professional life, sharing your stories. I learned so much. I hope everyone listening learned as well. And then sharing your personal perspective as well. I know I'm going to think about outdoor adventures in a different way. I'm always going to bring extra water. And just... <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to share everything that you know. And I look forward to you coming up and us spending time together and playing the guitar. And it's it's not goodbye. It's just see you down the trail. Yeah, yeah. My pleasure. Thank you and happy trails. All right. Thanks, everybody. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is a nationally recognized leader in conservation, outdoor recreation, and wildlife management. The agency manages 42 state parks, 960 plus species of wildlife in Colorado, more than 350 state wildlife areas, and a host of recreational programs from hunting and fishing to the state's trails program, boat registration, snowmobiles, off-highway vehicles, and more. All of its management is in perpetuity for the enjoyment of Coloradans and its visitors. Thanks for joining us on Colorado Outdoors, powered by Great Outdoors Colorado. I'm your host, Mark Johnson. Until next time, get out and enjoy the great outdoors in our beautiful state of Colorado.